This is Radio Maria, and welcome to Pro Parent with Chiro Candia. Hello and welcome to Pro Parent, the program that promotes confident parenting with me, Chiro Candia. My mission, to provide parents with the tools and encouragement to become the best mothers and fathers God is calling them to be, fostering homes where children grow in character and virtue. Well, if understanding and patience have Lenten rewards, I suspect there will be a lot of parents of teens with penthouse suites in heaven when they die, <laughs> maybe with soundproof walls. Today I'm starting a series of podcasts that mixes the lessons of Lent with ways we can better understand our young people, especially teens and young adults. I want to talk about the challenges they face and explore some of the ways we can help them to aim high and to become the best versions of themselves. And our Catholic faith offers so many amazing resources which I hope to share as we go along. Recently I read about a businessman who was talking about the high turnover of staff. He said... I noticed that it's so common for young employees to jump from one company to another nowadays. If they find the job a little challenging or they are a bit unhappy, they immediately hand in their resignation. Their tolerance for pain, he argues, and hardships is relatively short. Instead of enduring and trying to work it out, they decide to leave right away. Well, it's a sad but common scene among many families nowadays that of parents struggling to understand the wayward conduct of their teenagers. They feel helpless as their adolescents ignore or reject their family standards and later find it difficult to stick with their jobs or wider commitments. Now clearly this doesn't represent all young people and I've got a lot more to say about this later and in the weeks to come. But sadly it is a situation I see many families increasingly facing in my work with young people. Part of the challenge parents have in engaging with their teens is that our modern culture, unlike those of 99% of human history, has a, a message for parents and their allies today. We don't like the way you are raising your children. We don't think like you, believe like you, act like you. Mum, dad, the priest, the teacher, other educators who traditionally have had formative roles well, you are all moral throwbacks, out of touch, living in last week. We, as a society, have all the means to mould your child into our image, a much more liberated image, underpinned by this new moral code. Namely, if it feels good, do it. Maximise pleasure, avoid pain. So I've talked about this in earlier episodes, and... All of this creates distress and feelings of failure among many parents and others who wonder, who is this person that I've raised or that I've known since childhood? Is there any real influence I can have on my son or daughter or, in the case of a priest, on this young person or family in my parish? So the starting point for this is that we, as parents, need to wake up. You know, we shouldn't become accustomed to the cultural smog that surrounds us. In the words of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, you know, right is right even if no one is right. Wrong is wrong even if everyone is wrong. 
However, many parents and others are sometimes tempted to think, I'm not too bad, you know, by today's standards, however slipping they may be. And whilst most people are governed by questions like, is it normal? Or how do I compare with my neighbours or colleagues? As Fulton Sheen might argue, we need to ask questions like, is it good? Is it right? And to help our children accordingly. So before looking more specifically at some of these challenges that our young people are facing, let's consider the Generation Z profile as a whole. Because before we can exercise a more positive influence on our young people's lives, we need to take a closer look at what motivates them and how they think. Because understanding them is key, obviously, to supporting them. And as we know, analysing different generations can be great fun. So here's another dad joke. Why did the millennial bring an avocado to the baby boomer's party? Because they thought every gathering needed a touch of smashed avocado toast. <laughs> Sorry. It seems to me that avocado is on the menu everywhere, especially if the property is owned by and run for millennials. But anyway, boomers. Boomers. 1945 to 65. And they rewrote the rules of the game post-war. And now are probably aged, I don't know, late 50s to maybe late 70s. Then we have Generation X which is my generation, born between 1966 and 1980, and we're currently aged anywhere between kind of early 40s and mid-50s. And this generation, my generation, experienced significant changes in our lives, you know, the emergence of new technologies in the 1990s, the fall of the Berlin Wall, and the birth of the dot-com era. Generation Y, born from 1981 to 1995, currently aged late 20s, early 30s to early 40s. And despite being the most prepared generation, at least educationally, this group of, of young people faced significant difficulties entering the job market, which could be attributed to all sorts of factors, economic factors, also difficulty getting onto the housing ladder as well. But the term Peter Pan syndrome has often described the tendency of millennials to either delay or avoid adult responsibilities altogether. And then we come to Generation Z. And this is the generation that your children, your teenagers, perhaps young adults, are in. And they are born between 1996 and up to about 2010, or even right up till now, depends on whether or not you accept the new alpha generation, which some people attribute to 2010 and beyond. But let's take Generation Z as spanning roughly 1996 all the way through to the present. And they're known as post-millennials, I-generation, or more familiarly, Generation Z. And what are the traits of this generation? What can we say about them? So I'm going to offer some really big generalizations. Now, clearly, this doesn't apply to every young person aged roughly 15 to mid-late 20s. But the word collage, I think, really sums up Generation Z rather than clear patterns. Generation Z, I found in my work with six formers and other groups of, of young people, are very creative. They aim to build a life based on their passions, and even if they haven't found them yet. <laughs> they like to improvise and gather inspiration from all sorts of sources challenging some of those traditional notions of beauty and order. Their attention span, I find, is short, and they prefer quick, concise communication. 
They place a great deal of importance, as we all know, on social media and even have multiple accounts, one public, another one private with their friends, which shows me that they're more selective about what they share with others, perhaps, than the millennials. They have very little tolerance for discrimination and are highly respectful of people's differences. They value inclusivity and diversity in all its forms and often reject traditional gender roles, for example, and embrace life without labels. That's why so often we even hear terms like the genderless family or the genderless couple, all sorts of things. They look beyond their biological family to build meaningful relationships with others who share their values and interests, much of the time online, but not always. I find that Generation Z tends to be quite comfortable at home. They don't have an urgent need to move out, and likely due to the financial constraints for so many. It's just so expensive for them to find a place of their own. And while Generation Zers are independent and can be quite critical, quite critical in their thinking, I found that their commitment to activism is often more digital than real. They prefer to live in the moment and to cause it spontaneously, expressing their views online rather than in real-world settings. You know, I remember growing up, going on pro-life marches with banners and leafleting and all sorts of things, whereas I think most of the young people nowadays prefer to do all these things online rather than in these sorts of more concrete settings. I think Generation Z are unnatural entrepreneurs and often quickly dive into projects. They don't place, sadly, much importance on formal education, often seeking knowledge through self-teaching and online resources like YouTube. They self-learn. They focus on making things happen instead of spending excessive time on planning or thinking, perhaps like my generation does. They like to pursue financial independence from a very young age. Many of them have ideas of starting up small businesses from their early teens or working on various jobs. They relish having their own money, fueling this strong entrepreneurial spirit. I know that with my children over the years, they've utilised the second-hand market very successfully as a source of income. <laughs> and interestingly, I think Generation Z sees through some of the brand narratives and marketing. And I think there is something deep. They are looking for authenticity and raw truth. Sometimes it's truth that they're looking for, this raw truth is a little bit too raw for me. But there is an aspiration towards authenticity that we shouldn't neglect when thinking about Generation Z. They enjoy, many of them, low-key activities and aren't particularly interested in elaborate or complicated social events. Again, thinking about some of my children as they grew up, they could spend hours on end in parks and campfire events, hanging out, as it were. I think they are quite conscious of fake news and many of them have adjusted their media consumption habits accordingly. So I don't think they're all fools when it comes to managing these things. And one way of summing this all up for me is that Generation Z may be growing up less rebellious. You know, they're much more tolerant of diversity and, and people's views and, and so on and so forth. Or sadly, even the truth. But Whilst they are less rebellious, perhaps, they're also less happy. This is what I find. Why do I say less happy? Well, to consider this, I'd like to now talk about some underlying issues which I think really impact on the happiness 
of Generation Zers. And I may not be able to cover all these issues. In fact, there are five that I'd like to go through, um, and I'll carry on next week. But for now, I want to look at the God complex and the doubt mindset. So what's the God complex which is impacting on the happiness of these young people? Well, many of the Generation Zers I come across claim no religion. From experience, the younger they are, the less likely they are to be practicing any faith. So when I consider some of the parishes that I attend on Sundays, it's clear that whilst the First Holy Communion masses are full and thriving, it's very rare to see teenagers at mass nowadays. And the new no religion religion preaches that the God understood by countless generations is at best stifling and at worst cruel. So either way, for a lot of these young people, God is obsolete. And the result is that God is no longer present in their lives, in society, in our schools and in our homes. But this God void must be filled in some way by other gods with a small g, whether it's drugs, sex, addiction. As G.K. Chesterton famously put it, you know, when people lose their faith in God, they don't believe in nothing, they'll believe in anything. And culture has to replace this God void with something. And then there's another aspect to this God complex. You know, many in society say God exists, so this is the other end of the God complex spectrum. He exists, but he's really one of us. He's a very loving, caring God, and he can't be like the God of our ancestors, but basically one who thinks like us and feels like us, and but with superpowers. Basically, he sees the world as we do. So the God complex prevalent in our society can be summed up, as I say, in these two ways. Let's get rid of him at one end of the spectrum, or let's shape him, God, into our own image. So two different approaches, but very much the same outcome, namely an absence of God in young people's lives. And this is having a devastating effect on their happiness and their relationship with others. And the second challenge I feel that young people are facing nowadays is a misunderstanding of the concept of freedom and this doubt mindset. You know, Western civilization is often guided by the core principles of freedom and equality. You know, these more than any other shape the way people live and societies operate. You just have to look at anything on the internet or TV to back this up. And how does society understand these concepts? Well, freedom is understood as the ability of individuals to choose their own life paths and make their own decisions. You know, this is what is constantly being spouted out of all the media outlets, films and everything else, books. Equality is viewed as the guarantee that all individuals possess identical rights. And as a consequence, Generation Z has come to value attitudes such as respect for others, rejection of discrimination and the pursuit, as I was saying before, of authentic existence. And look, all these are noble ideals and few of us would disagree with those However, upon closer examination of this understanding of freedom, you know, certain issues emerge for me. The definition is far too narrow. Yes, being responsible for your actions and making personal choices is clearly essential when talking about freedom, but so too is the idea of pursuing higher goods such as virtue. Freedom is simply understood as a choice between various goods without any particular good being more valuable than the other. For me, this concept is defective. And this lack of value hierarchy has, in my opinion, helped to shape 
a certain scepticism towards institutions, the state, corporations, the church, schools, as well as sometimes the intentions of others and, and even oneself. Paradoxically, this notion of freedom as liberation has left many young people feeling uncertain when making really important personal professional decisions, leading to anxiety and depression, unhappiness, sense of loneliness. So that despite being hyper-connected, these young people can feel, as I say, really lonely during critical times in their lives. They might even attempt to alleviate this loneliness through various consumerist or hedonistic behaviours, but these actions often exacerbate the problem over time. The combination of a lack of trust and abundance of information causes young people to continually question underlying motives, and, and as I say, this leads to this doubt mindset. So these challenges can feel overwhelming, but there's always hope. Next week, we'll continue exploring practical ways to support young people in making decisions that align with their long-term goals and best interests. And our focus will be on helping them create a foundation for future happiness. That's all from me, Chido Kandia, on today's episode of ProParent, the program that promotes confident parenting. Tune in same time next week. Goodbye. You've been listening to a podcast from Radio Maria. If you enjoy these programs, please consider becoming one of our monthly donors. All you need to do is visit www.radiomariaengland.uk and click on the Support Us tab for various options. We rely entirely on donations, so thank you to all our listeners who support us.